This is Inside the Writer's Head. In this podcast, you can expect conversations with writers, book lovers, and creatives of all kinds. Your host, Manuel Iris, is a Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library's Writer-in-Residence for 2023. The Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, creativity, and literacy, while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. I am your host, Manuel Iris. In today's episode, we will talk about traveling, belonging, creativity, and poetry. I will present my two guests that I also have the luxury of calling my friends. Born and raised in South Korea, Tanya Kohong is an international published poet, translator, and playwright who champions bilingual poetry and poets. She is the author of five books, including The War Still Within, published in 2019. She holds an MFA degree from Antioch University in Los Angeles. Tanya's work has been published in several journals and anthology and won the Dritero Agoli Award in the International Korsha Poetry Festival, several other awards, and she has also been nominated for the Pushkar Prize. In 2015, her segmented poem, Comfort Woman, received an honorable mention at the Women's National Book Association, which she now has turned that poem into a play, which has been used by Tabula Rasa in the NYC Theater and Performance Lab. Recently, she hosted a multilingual reading and workshop at the Fifth Third Street New York Poetry Library. And I can say from experience that she is not only a great poet, but a great human being and a great conversator for talking about migration, creativity, poetry, and translation. Tanya, thank you for being in Inside the Writer's Head. Mm, thank you for the invitation. This is wonderful. Thank you. My next guest is Tara Skurto. She is the author of The Amoeba Game and the upcoming poetry collection, Faith Farm a two-time Fulbright grantee and recipient of the Robert Spinsky Global Fellowship, the Marcia Keach Poetry Prize, and two Academy of American Poet Prizes. She is the founder of International Poetry Circle and a National Steering Committee member of Writers for Democratic Action. Tara is now based in Brooklyn, where she is a writing coach for clients worldwide. And also, Tara is a, not only a great poet, but a great thinker of poetry. She's always, she's constantly thinking about what poetry is for. Uh, for her poetry, as far as I can see and relate in our conversations, poetry is always part of the intimate life. So now here we are talking with these two great poets that I met and I'm gonna say, excuse me, and I'm gonna talk a little bit of how we met because we met in a very uncommon situation. We met in Macedonia. Uh, in 2018. It was an international poetry festival in Macedonia, and we were all invited to this festival representing the United States. It was me, a Mexican-born American poet. It was Tania, a South Korean-born poet, and, and we have the one American-born American poet, Tara. But Tara was not living in America. She was living in Romania. So we were all immigrants. And there was one moment where all of the American poets were together. And we were approaching a dinner table where all other poets were. And someone yelled out, Eric, here comes the Americans. And Tanya and I looked at each other and said, this is the first time that someone see me and says, here comes the American. But that was it. We were representing all, you know, America. No, the two of us that lived in America were not born there. And there was the one, and the one that was living in America was not living, the one that was born in America was not living in America. And we started talking about what is American poetry 
after all, you know, what is, what does it mean, all of this? And if it even matters, because you we enjoy poetry, you know, and we are translating at the end of the day, um, poetry is always a translation. We translate from our feelings into words. We are always translating, you know, memories into into text. So the first thing that I would like, I would like to start this conversation um, with these two poets, travelers that have been or are migrants and are constantly uh, talking to other parts of the world. I wanted to start by asking you guys, what is, and I'm sorry for this, big small question but what would be what, what would it be your definition of poetry how do you define poetry and when thinking of that tell me which are your obsessions what are you constantly talking about in your poems Tanya tell me gosh it's interesting I just before the our recording conversation that I just told you that I just flew back from New York to California. And then I was driving and these yellow flowers all over the field. And then my heart goes, oh my goodness, I have to write about this. So <laughs> mm. it's a poetry is as a life, I think. I don't know, like, I don't know. Like, are we born with it? I don't know, like, but something if I don't write about some what I felt then I feel like I'm not living my life in a way and then as I explained to you before that now that um if I write some poem in English and somehow I have to translate in Korean vice versa if I write something and then I have to translate um, to English that's the two languages that I'm very uh, comfortable with and I just feel like incomplete but like it's a totally different way of thinking Korean and English as well mm. but it's like both is contained in me and um, how do I say um, just like for example like I didn't know that like lotus seeds that like um, could be the bud in like the lo longest lotus seed was not um, opening was like 12,088 years. So I feel, and then it bud in like, you know, in uh, four days. So feels like maybe we are poems like life is poems and I don't think like you know oh you have to write poems about the ocean I think it's just like everything like in what we see in the life that is poem I mean I don't know how to how do we say like because I think we've been living as a poet for a long time it just become us we it's just yeah. a part separated hard to yeah. give the definition but like, when you say something, I could say like, oh, I could turn in that in the poem, you know, yeah. just always constantly, like, put our thoughts. And what are you constantly talking about in your poems? Is there any subject, any recurring theme, something that, an obsession that is always showing up? Yeah, like, it changes. I think it really changes because um, with your life, you know, 
the mm. uh, when I became like you know the immigrant and then like when I was struggling become you know living in United States and all that kind of stuff was the immigrant issues and then when I become a mother and I was constantly thinking about the you know children and all that kind of stuff right and then now I feel like a very um humanistic eyes I wanted to see the not just like a specific issues but I wanted to see what is what is being human I think that's my main focus that like how do you be um, human and um just like way back to the like LA I just saw um Empire like the movie on the plane and then it was just beautiful movie and then uh, the the racial issues in the movie and it just breaking my heart that why do we have to see the color of the skin? Why can we see human as a human? Yeah. I think that is um, how can we stop hate? How can we see person as a human not color yeah at the language how can we bring and that is some of your subject right now like yes that's that, what like I, what is your humanity humanity and then how can we stop segregated how yeah. can we stop judging yeah. each other yeah how can we stop all this hate but love thank you tanya hmm. Tara, what is poetry for you and what are you constantly talking about with you, hmm. your poems? Before I get into your easiest question ever, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say, Tanya, where, oh. where you left off with yeah. how to do this, how, how, how. And of course, there's a poem cannot answer that. And there is no one answer to that, but a poem creates a space um, to question, to challenge, for us to question, to challenge, to feel. Um, that'll, it creates a space for change. Um, even if it's the subtlest thought process, mindset shift, um, paying attention, noticing something new or in a different way. Um, so I love that you said thinker of poetry that made me feel especially good since I'm doing a lot more thinking about poetry than writing it these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's an impossible question with an impossible answer. What is a poem? And, and it, it's something that I actually ask myself all the time. I, I love you though. asking people this because there's not one answer. Um, and as soon as you define it, it become it, it can also be something else. It's like a shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're innocent shapeshifters. And it's like a new language. Um, it's like a freedom. It's like limits. It's, it's like every single thing, which brings me back to what you say, Tanya, like life. Um, and the specific way in which I see poetry, what I always return to is dreams and calculus. And I think the way I, I define a poem um, overlaps with how something you say a poem is, Manuel. It's, uh, I believe you say translation of silence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
Um, and I'm always thinking about poetry in terms of an asymptote um, of, but I play with the definition a little bit. And, you know, instead of line and curve, I have words and feelings. So it's like, you know, using a poem is using words uh, to express what cannot be said in words. Mm -hmm. um, it is, is, it is doing exactly what language <laughs> tries to do, the essence of language. And it's all about limits, um, you know, how to approach a given, approaching a given feeling, but not meeting it at any finite distance. Mm -hmm. You can use it that, a words. So I'm thinking about this all the time. And the obsession <laughs> would be limits. Um, limits of language, uh, limits. But how... Oh, your your poetic obsession is the limits. Yeah. Can you can you tell me more about that? That is very interesting. Yeah, limits limits of language, um, limits of love, limits of understanding. Because a poem is not meant to be understood, um, and we don't write a poem just to understand or answer something specific. Um, limits of translation. I think a lot about your translation of silence, the silence aspect, but also the translation yeah. um, because any act of language is a translation. Any act of translation is limited, but it gets you to a place of feeling. And if you feel a poem, it's working. Yeah, Tanya. Yeah, um, so that the limit of the language that is so huge so huge isn't it because you live in romania and then we both came from another country and living in america and now that we're speaking in english and then we're understanding but like it is so frustrating that people who doesn't speak english and if we don't translate it, it's just so limited. And yeah. I am just really frustrated that even though we say, oh, word of the poetry or like a translation, or even we see the contest for like the poetry, and then what is it they say? As long, it doesn't matter where you are, but as long as you, it's in English. So how can we not limit it with just English language? That's my big thing. So that's why I am doing multilingual like a poetry reading and then I will them to just share with their own mother tongue. I mean, when we are in Macedonia, we sit there and then we listen to their <laughs> languages, Armenian, three hours, right? Ten and, book launches in one event. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the basic, but like, so, and so I think like if I just, I don't know, maybe it's a different perspective. If my, uh, like English was like my mother tongue, maybe I would have a different perspective because I wouldn't be in the other shoes, but it wasn't. That's why I'm always agony. Like, how can we bring all this language to be understand and then um, able to open the door to share this language without any limitation? But it is. So it's so frustrating in that sense. But how can we celebrate all languages? And then poetry is like the 
feelings. And then as you know, Tara said, like, it is not, not meant to be understood. And then how can we just share poetry as it is and then be there and then understanding the heart of the poetry? <sighs> and I think that the three of us have experienced otherness in more than one way. We have been in places where, where we are the other, you know, and and we have not only been visiting, we have lived in places where we are the other, you know, and we have uh, kept as part of our identity uh, the fact that we're poets, you know, wherever we go, you know, in what, even if they don't understand the language in which I tell in my poems, I am still a poet, you know, that, that is that is what I am. And that has become part of our. And I think that the fact that we're talking, the three of us here, is because um, we, we share that more than any other thing. What we share is the fact that we love and think about poetry, you know, all the time. And, and that seems to be as important, if not more important, than sharing other things. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel that I have more in common with another poet than with a, with, with a fellow Mexican, for example, because those are millions. But, but then when we find the poet, there is, there is a, an affinity that is not as common and it's not as random. It's, 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 something, it's something deeper. Mm. But I want to I, I wanna ask you, when... When you were abroad, and, and, and here, if you, if, you, if you want, you can tell us when you were abroad, for how long, etc. cetera. Um, when, when you were having this experience, and, and in your case, Tanya, now that you're having that experience, when you, when you came here, you know, in which moment um, you realize that your identity was not only your national identity, or that, but your identity as a writer? Um, when you said, well, I am not only Manuel Iris, I am Manuel Iris the writer, and I want to be known as that. You know, it's not only, you know, this is part, uh, uh, a very important part of my humanity, a very important part of, a part of my definition and my identity. So, in your case, Tara, where were you for how long, and how did you continue to be a poet under those circumstances? So when you're talking about realizing that you are a writer, this is apart from travel. It's just when in your life did you realize that this yes, was? But, but when, when you were traveling, also you said, you know, I am American, et cetera, but I am this. And you started claiming it as part of your identity. Yeah. So I think, I mean, the, the first, I didn't realize I was a poet. I think um, just about every writer I know the, went through a process of discovering you're a writer. And thank God for teachers. Yes. Because it tends to be teachers who see this in us. And for me, it was. It was, um, I had teachers that noticed little things throughout throughout the course of my education. And one professor uh, in particular realized I was a poet before I did and encouraged me to work on some poems. Um, and then I felt like I was trying to write a poem. I knew nothing about writing poems. And I remember thinking my first thought, like, but how can I write a poem? I don't even know how to make a sonnet. I don't know anything about forms. Um, and so 
something happened with the editing and revision process, I encountered my fears. And as I edited and revised more and began showing my work um, before it was published at some point, I thought I'm going to send my work to magazines. I have no idea how to do this. It was back in the good old days of the late two, um, really 2008, nine, mm -hmm. when you walked them to the mailbox or the post office. And I had this post office. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I had this thought. I need to tell myself I'm a poet because I don't fully believe it. Because there's a lot of pressure on publication. So I told myself, I'm going to treat my poems as if they're already published. Whoa. And I'm going to send them out until they find a home. And I just practice saying I'm a poet. It felt so weird really? and silly, kind of stupid at first. Wow. But it became wow. really empowering because then people would ask you, right? Um, you know, what do you do? What do you... And it felt really weird. I'm a poet. I kind of, I think I kind of said it, you know, tried not to say it as a question. Um, and then it just eventually became natural. So I'm a poet. That was probably like around 2008 or nine. And then when I went to Romania in 2013 for the first time, introducing myself, I became an American poet. Yes. Mm. Because yes. I yes. was not in yes. the place. I know, I know, <laughs> I know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't walk around Massachusetts going or Boston going, <laughs> I'm an American poet. <laughs> you know, I didn't go to yeah. dinner parties and what Absolutely. you know, who are you? I'm an American poet. <laughs> I didn't walk around Mexico saying I'm an Amer I'm a Mexican poet. You know, I became a Mexican poet in the States. And I guess that the same wow. happened to you, Tanya. Well, um, We're not saying I'm, a, I'm a Korean poet. No, I think like my story is like really different because um, I, uh, you know, the Korean is my language, right? Mother tongue. And then I came to United States, age of 18, and I always wanted to be a writer when I was in Korea. But I said, okay, now, you know, I am, oh, who's going to write in Korean in America? And then okay, my dream's going to be not fulfilled. But at the time, there are like a wave of immigrants and then there's a Korean newspapers under like Los Angeles. And then I saw that a um, couple of years, and then I've been writing, like writing was my, um, you know, breathing process. So I write like a diary and then I write home, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then in Korea, I, I don't know if I told you, like you, you cannot just say that you're, poet because you wrote some poetry because you have to actually get a kind of poet's license so that you got a winter contest yeah yes, like the um so that like if you <laughs> google my name ko hyun is i'm a poet in korea because a um registered poet like you yeah like they have official. the poet name like three thousand people i don't know but if you don't win the contest if you don't go through the like you know um we are magazine somebody like you know the um introduce you or whatever like you you cannot say you're a poet unless you have a name on the, the poets list but um so i, oh, I won the contest like because i know Yes, honey. I just want to say because what? people people won't be able to see us. We're we we can see each other right now. So so for those who can't see us, when Tanya mentioned poet license, 
Manuela yeah. and I just leaned in really close <laughs> to our to screens. Like, what? <laughs> I know. I know. So that is wow. very interesting. Yeah. So um, they have like poets and then like, and then they are perfectly Kiyok, Niyun, So like, you know, I'm like a Kiyok, you know, go. So I'll come pretty fast. <laughs> but anyway, but um, so you have to be win the contest. You cannot just say go down, you know, um, say like, like I'm a poet. And then they will say like, where did you get the year? you know, become a poets or whatever. They're asking everything. So I got through from Hangukshi, you know, like anyway, so. So did, did that, you short. got official poet in Korea? Yes. Yeah. But like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then While living in the United was, States. Oh, yeah. Like, so writing in English, there's a whole different story. So I write in Korean and then I like hang out with like, you know, 20 years, 30 years older than me because I'm the youngest poet. And then a lot of poet in America living in Los Angeles, they're like my uh, parents' age. But I hang out with them and then we do anthology and all that kind of stuff. But when I start like talking to my American friends and then I say, like, I write poems. And then they say, what's your poems? I wanted to read it. And then I said, how do you translate poems? I don't know. <laughs> and then they say, try it. That's how it started in translating. Just like Tara said, I didn't know how to publish in English. I know how to publish in Korean because we make that anthology all the time. So I said, that was the question that I asked. What do you want to be? And then I say, I want to be a poet. And then I want to ever to publish in English as well too. That's how I um, got into the MFA program. And then that's how I start writing English. And then that's how I learned how to publish it. And then just like what Tara said, like, and my subjects are so different than most of the poets, right? So is it this even a poem? But, but then you started your writing already here in American soil when you were here. You were publishing in Korea and in Korean, but you were yes. living here. Yes. Yes. And newspaper, you know, like columns, but I didn't know like like I don't, I don't, I didn't have any resource because my degree was a sociology undergrad. Right. And so I didn't have any idea, like, just like Tara said, like, you didn't know, like a publication. And then um, all my writer's friends were Korean um, older people. And then they are just writing in Korean. So there. Uh, yes, like, and then I didn't have any resource how to be published in America or mm -hmm. in English. Mm -hmm. And then that's how uh, when I went to MFA program, and then that's how I start going AWP. And then I said, well, you know, it's like, yeah, that's how yeah. it began. But yeah. I didn't believe in myself as a poet either for a long time, because I felt like my writing is so different than American writing. Yeah, so it is, yeah. okay. it's so different. It's yeah. so different. Tara, you were already, you already published things. You already had a poetic career when you went to Romania for the first time, as you were telling us, right? Yeah. But that time you went and came back. It was not the time that you stayed. Yeah. 
Um, so I went over for a fellowship at the end of my one-year MFA program at Boston University. And I had actually written, I think about, I want to say at least half, give or take, of my book before I did my MFA. I tried not to be a poet for, for like more than 10 years. Um, there, you know, there's always a need behind the want of being a poet. <laughs> um, and so uh, I I was ultimately pre-med and I started giving into poetry when I was pre-med because I thought, wow, well, poetry is not so practical. I don't, you, what can you do with a poem? What can you do as a poet? But I can write poems on the side. And that's when it really started for me. So um, anyway, the I surrendered to poetry. It totally hijacked my whole life in the best way possible. <laughs> <laughs> I did not become a doctor. Um, and I remember sitting with my first poetry teacher, Lloyd Schwartz, at this um, tiny little cafe in Harvard Square called Cafe Pamplona um, that looked like a little Alice in Wonderland room inside. And I said, I'm thinking of doing something um, maybe very stupid. I'm thinking of applying for an MFA in writing. And he just went, I think that's a terrific idea because I was confusing everybody by wanting to be a doctor. So fast forward, I go to Romania at the end of the program um, on a grant to go somewhere you'd, you've never been, where you don't know the language, and that will inspire you to write. And mm -hmm. my last name um, is a Romanian name. It's, I think it's a misspelling, a K instead of a C. And my dad was telling me things about family and we we didn't know anything. And I just thought, well, I'll, I'll apply to go to Romania. Um, mm. So that's how I ended up in Romania for about two and a half months. And then Romania hijacked my life and um, I got uh, invited into the poetry world there. Translation happened. I ended up doing readings. Um, I got an Airbnb in Transylvania. I just picked a city. Um, my my dad's brother said, I think there are a lot of skirtus there. So I said, boom, okay, I'm getting an Airbnb there. There were no skirtus there. But <laughs> what was there, there was an international poetry festival right when I, like, like the week I arrived. And Whoa. I had just been, you know, by, I don't know how, I had just been connected to the person who led the festival just by chance through friends. And so now I find myself reading at a poetry festival. And that was the beginning of kind of um, the pole of Romania, which ended up being seven and a half years over there um, wow. when I went back. And during this time, Tara, you never lose touch with the American poetry scene. Um, I... I I see, you know, in, in, in social media and et cetera, that you have a community, that you also foster a community of poets and you're constantly talking to them and to us and we respond. And, and, and um, then you, you got involved in this uh, Writers for Democracy. And yeah, all Writers for Democratic Action. Writers for Democratic Action. And it's, I see in, 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 in everything that we do in the three of us, a need for community. You know, we are we are creating community. Sometimes it's the community of our own to say something, but most of the time we're trying to reach out of uh, 
to the otherness, you know, or or how to the other, the other, you know. Now we're trying to 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 make the other less of another and see how they they connect uh, with us. Do you think that your experience in Romania transform you and your poems? Oh, absolutely. I it's going to transform my writing the rest of my life. Um, and, and actually it's doing more than to poetry because I feel that when I was over there, I don't know the best word I can say is some kind of rupture happened um, in the middle on, on the inside of that rupture is actually prose. Mm. Um, and it's a process um, going between poetry and prose. So I've actually been hibernating, um, but not really hibernating. I've dorm, you know, in this, I'm absorbing, I'm, I'm gestating, I'm figuring ruminating. out what dorminating is that what ruminating, you said? ruminating, ruminating. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, it changes everything because you, you, you start learning a new language that mm -hmm. puts you in a place of childhood. You become mm -hmm. a child. Um, you know, you have to make mistakes, you have to play. And poetry is play. You, any kind of writing is play. You have to play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you just, you start thinking about how language is put together, the differences, you know, um, I went around to, for a year and a half, when I didn't have a word to say, when I, when I didn't know the word in Romanian, I would say, I don't have the, I don't have the word basically. <laughs> I would get a really weird look every time I said that. I'd like some Allegra. I need some ibuprofen. I'm sorry, I don't have the word. What I was saying was, I'm sorry, I'm speechless. Yeah. I looked so dramatic everywhere I went. And it threw people off, but they kind of got me. But even that, thinking about the difference <laughs> between the literal, the literal words and the, you know, the literal meaning and this how different the meaning can be. Um, and of course, love, right? Writing is, there's love in writing. Um, mm -hmm. It's, and I ended up staying in Romania for love. And, um, and another limits of love story, um, which produced a whole book of poems, the experiencing the limits of love. I don't know. Yeah. This is we, we did, this is um and maybe the people that are listening to us can they already realize that this is for us for the three of us like the, the, the continuation of several conversations that we had uh, before. And I want to ask uh, you Tanya your process when did you decide to be your own translator? Um, oh. Because you could have waited for somebody, you know, like I'm going to find a translator, but you decided to be your own. Why oh. did you take that decision and how this has, how has, is this process of translating yourself changed the way you write? Uh, yeah, in a way, because I think um, when I read like, you know, translation of, um, let's say, you know, there's translation Korean poets translation of English and then I say because I think I understand the emotion of a Korean and then emotion of like the uh, language it's not I mean the you know and you know Tara and Emmanuel 
because it's not translation is not word by word, right? So um, there's a time that I just write in Korean, right? And then I start writing in English and then I find myself, I don't know if you're doing the same thing, yeah, but like yeah, yeah. I write something and then I say like, what is the equivalent word in Korean with this? <laughs> And mm -hmm. then I said, just like a Tara, you said, like, I don't have a word, you know, right? And then I said, oh, my God, the weight, the word, I don't have that word. But I wanted to give, like, the same kind of a weight on the both yeah. language. So then it, it is hard. But, like, then I write, like, so usually sometimes, like, I put half of the page and then I write English and then the other hand, like, I write in Korean. And then, because I think it's my poems, and then I wanted to give the meaning that I was gonna give. And, um, you know, some people say like a translation is another creation. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, if you don't know the language and you have nothing to do, but since I know the language, this is what I wanted to say in Korean. So the, even the poem, the gap was that like between Tanya gap between Tanya and Hyone. There was the poem that I was writing while I was translating my poems because I find out, oh my goodness, it's the end to end. Sometimes like in English, I could make the in triangle. When I translate in Korean, the poem become upside down triangle. So um, if you say the feeling like, yeah, like, I mean, also, it's very vague, like the translation in Korean, you don't give like a, every subjects, you know, we don't usually say in I in poems, but like in English, we usually say I a lot in the poems, right? Yes. And in Korean, you don't have to say it. If you say it, it's like a childish poem, you know, without, yeah. without it's much better. So anyway, um, I think as long as I am able to, translate i don't know if it's translate or like i don't think rewriting no i don't know what is that like well you both do that i think about this a lot because i i rarely meet someone who translates their own work or write you know writes in two languages and what is it like for you also manuel well, I, I write, and I wanted to ask this to Tanya too. I write in Spanish first. Oh. Poetry poetry does not come to me in English yet. Um, there is one poem that I wrote first in English. Mm. And I think, I think that is because of the subject. Um, it's a poem about school shootings. Mm. And that is a fear that I have in English. You know, like I am not worried about this kind of violence about, yeah. you know, for my nephews in Mexico. This is a very American fear. This is a fear that I have. And, and translating that poem was difficult because I use the the term um, school shooter. And there is no translation for the term school shooter because it, it is not part of the culture yet. You know, I, I hope it never is. Um, but it is. For me, and I don't know if this happens to you, Tanya, it has become translating my own poems has become part of my editing process. Because when I'm translating, sometimes mm -hmm. I like what is happening in the translation. Yeah. And I go and I fix the original. 
you know. And once I fixed it, I don't know if it's the original anymore. Because I, I think that's the process like that you and I need to go through. And then exactly what you're saying is the so relevant. What you're saying is like you don't um I think I am um got through that part because that what something you see it, what it comes. The emotion is that like, am I having Korean feeling emotion on it? This poem, just like what I saw, the beautiful, the yellow, you know, the flowers everywhere. It is coming from Korean feeling because I remember that I didn't publish that poem yet. Like, but um, there's a poem about the writing about this, the spring field that which I wrote in like 20 years ago. And that feelings like they're coming to me, but just exactly what you're saying that like when you experience in America, United States, the shooting, all that kind of events is coming. Yes, that is very hard to write in Korean or Spanish first. And um, I have like because I write poems through the like you know projects like the teaching children like the high school students mm -hmm. were talking about it and then because then I, that's like my project like I collect their words and then I have to write like a poem out of their words of course it's gonna be English right yeah and yeah. then so like what we experience in America and then we are feeling in English and then the feeling emotion comes to English so I think and then exactly that's what I'm saying is like I write in English and then I will say like what is the equivalent of that word yes I change because I wanted mm. to give it the same mm. weight you know so when I read it both language it's just kind of same emotion sometimes I cannot do it then I said let it go just write in Korean itself and there's no equivalent feeling to translate English, I let it go. I just do, that's the Korean way of a feeling. And then I even just like have the beyond border, you know, the poem that I wrote. And then there's no way to, to be equivalent at this moment, maybe in future, maybe it will change. But um, yeah, it is, it is really hard. Two different people living in one body. <laughs> That that is that is that is something that I that I that I wanted to to, to <laughs> ask because sometimes I have that what I have in my experience some people have told me that you know when you read your poems in two different languages when you read in Spanish you sound so much more comfortable and I mean of course I I am not subconscious about my accent and, and things but I I do think that that it's almost like having two personalities like being two people um and speaking of being two people. Sarah has lived an experience that we have not, which is coming back. You were <laughs> seven years abroad, and now you are back here in the States, you know. And your time in Romania was a very important time of your poetic career, you know, um, because it, it changed you. It's a, it's a time of metamorphosis. But when you come back, especially when you come back, after a pandemic that changed everything. I assume, but I would like to ask you, how different are you from the one that left? How different are your poems from the ones that you were writing before you leave? 
and how different is this place from the place you left behind when you went to Romania? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I think I'm I'm just as different as I as I am the same. Um, and one thing that happens is time <laughs> becomes. I don't even know what it becomes because mm -hmm. you are, you're living in two places constantly, but time is passing. And in the place where you are not, in this case, the place where I am from, mm -hmm. time is passing and I'm still there, but I'm not seeing it. I'm not, I mean, I, I didn't go home for, I think the first three years, I couldn't afford to go home when I was first in Romania. You mean um, to come home? What? You mean to come home? <laughs> yes. You're saying yes. go home as if you were in Romania still. Oh, see, I, I'm wow. <laughs> you're still talking like you're there. Okay, so this is you just came back a few months ago. This. I have to say this to our listeners. You came back when? So I I I came back um the middle of January yeah, yeah, and yeah. I temporarily stayed with some relatives and I just moved to Brooklyn last month. And as you can see. Um, it's a bit of a mind screw because I'm still <laughs> arriving. You know, yeah. every day I walk outside and I'm thinking it's happening a little bit less now, but for the first month I was last month, I was thinking, oh, but I have to fly back soon. Uh, and that's always hard for me to fly back to Romania. I always, um, I, I get blue when I land, but then I'm thinking, oh, but I, I'm not flying anywhere. I'm here. So I'm walking around just like how I used to tell myself I'm a poet to really get comfortable with knowing that I, this is me. I say, I'm here. This is my life. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. you arrive in a place when so much changes. You don't realize you're there yet. So I'm having very weird dreams. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm still over there. Um, sometimes I can't come back. Sometimes I'm aware that I'm finally home. But what happens is Boston was my home for 15 years. It was the only place that ever felt like home to me. I was raised in Florida. I always felt like an outsider uh, in Florida my whole childhood. Um, and then I, I hitched a ride to college with someone I went to high school with. She dropped me off with my trunk and I immediately felt like this was my new real right home. Mm. So I always thought I would come back to Boston. And then when I visited, I realized that I was holding the past in my mind. Okay. Things had changed. People had moved. Dynamics yeah. were different. And also it was a familiar chapter. It was a safety zone. Yes. I used to say I would never in a million years live in New York. And all of a sudden I realized I needed to be in New York. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's so I'm there. <laughs> to checking in with yourself and being willing to change, which goes back to your question. I'm always changing. The place is always changing, but you know what? Speaking of the place changing it, it, it was such a strange feeling like I'm doing, I'm kind of um, crinkling up my fingers and squeezing in my guts right now, because that's how it felt to watch things happening in the US and by things, I mean the slide towards authoritarianism yeah, yeah, is yeah. still happening. And in a, we're in a more precarious state now than we were several years ago even. Yeah. And, but I would be in a room in my apartment in Bucharest watching the only English <laughs> language news channel just alone um, thinking what, what to do, what to do. And now I can, I can get outside and, and get on the street and that 
being able to put your body next to other bodies really does something. Um, so that's a big change that feels like a, a release and, um, I'm just glad to be home and, uh, and whatever it takes to, uh, to, to do what I can do as a writer with words, um, in the political climate of today, Absolutely, I will continue doing that through Absolutely. especially writers for democratic action, which is a group of, um, now 3000 plus writers, uh, around the world, um, writers for democratic action.org. If you want to join, you just add your name um, and you can become a member of the network of writers speaking up for reading, writing for democracy. Mm. For um, talking about that, like manual, like it's not even um, the space because um, for me, it's like a home away home. Because I told you they're like immigrant yes. Korean writers, right? In mm -hmm. the United States. And then I was a member for a long time. But then they're only still writing in Korean. So mm. at even the Los Angeles, you know, I feel... Uh, but like it's just like a one body. Like you cannot um, go all different functions. And then how do I say, um, involve a lot of organizations. So then to bring them out to the, with American writers and then American writers with the Korean or like the other, you know, multiple multilingual process. It's just really kind of hard for me. And then because just like what you say, you feel comfortable writing in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And then um, Korean immigrants, like their writing in Korean is yes. very yes. comfortable. And then sharing just in Korean is comfortable. It's very hard to them to come out, out of their comfort zone, safety zone. And so even among in America, even in Los Angeles, it's just like a home away home. And then sometimes, even though I translate it in Korean, and then the word are because the different experience, even though we're living in America, it is very hard to understood. Yeah. It is so even like I feel nomad, you know, in yes. America. It's yes. just like, it is very hard for me to find. And then of course, like when I go to American writers, it's like they're, they don't have this uh, different experience. And then when I express my feelings and thoughts in English, it's still they're foreign to them. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And then that's why like I try to explain very hard and then when you say that, like, when you write um, Spanish and, you know, English, it's not just like the word by word is not just like no. limited. Because, for yeah. example, like one poem, like the No Trespassing, yes. I wrote very angry in English. So I wrote very anguish voice. I'm a close door, close door. You knock on my door before you come in. But when I read <laughs> in Korean that way, they will say, like, is she mad? Why? You have to be like, 
Yes. 나는 받침문, 닫침문입니다. 그 <웃음> you have to read the angry words in this beautiful tone. Yes. But it now it now that you that you recited a little bit of a poem, I think that this is the time where the people that is listening to us um wants to hear your voices as your poetic voices. So I would love if you can share a poem. Um, of your of your choice uh, for for the listeners of Inside the Writer's Head. Um, Tara, would you like to start? Sure, thank you. I'm going to read the last poem in the book I recently finished um, called Faith Farm. The book is called Faith Farm. The poem is called Maiden's Tower. We pass a lighthouse and you tell me the legend. A seer, an emperor, his daughter, the snake bite, the tower he built to keep her at the edge of the sea. When an old woman passes us on the ferry, sniffs us twice, you are in love, I smelled it. And last night on the island, over fresh fish and a pitcher of ice cloudy rocky, I asked, How many words for love in your language? This question cannot be answered. And we laughed and walked the sidewalk along the sea until I found a ladder and climbed down to wade between continents in the icy dark. You have to have the end in mind when you read the poem, Lloyd once said, and ours is in days. I knew it before I came, but I believe in trying all probabilities of a possible history, especially those that aren't likely. It wasn't love the woman smelled that couldn't keep the maiden from the snake sliding into a basket of fruit on her birthday, but learning again to read what's been written. This moment its particular probability spray-painted on a wall between the bougainvilleas and the dumpster. Life is one hope. And you translate hop. Of all the answerless questions, questionless answers. Answers that can only be questioned. I don't know if I should clap or, or, or thank you, Tara. Thank you. thank you so much. Tanya. Wow. That's really hard to choose. <laughs> so I'm gonna start with like a short poem and then um I'm gonna start reading in Korean. It's just like a three lines poem, and then I don't know what poem that I'm gonna go next. But um so head up. 이제 알겠어. 나는 천천히 피는 겨울 장미. 무엇이 나를 피고 지게 하는지. 이제 나 어디에도 도달하지 않아도 되는 것을. Answer. I have my answer. I am a winter rose that slowly blooms. I know 
what opens and what closes me. I don't have to arise for anyone. And just like I just had the, like the poem um, collection that I did performing one of the Sakura performance. So I wanted to read just a little poem through that like a blooming lotus sea. You're gone like a leaf stuck in the door. When it opens, flies away. Non tonagane, Munsayekin Namunipcharam, Yermian, Naraka, Porine. You here, you there, doesn't matter anymore. The weight of pain, the weight of love is same. And the last poem that I want to read is, I'm just going to read like the Korean and um, English. 모국어 세련이란 제기랄 마실 술이 못돼 너내 혀를 풀어봐 어둠 속에서 내 옷을 벗기듯 너의 자존심으로 우리의 밤을 망치지 말고 검색하지 마 머릿속에서 내가 당한 배신을 인생에 너무 집착하지 않으면 사실 산다는 건 그렇게 힘들지 않아. 나 한밤중에 일어나 내 손에 무엇을 움켜쥐려고 하는지 알 수가 없어. 트럼펫 소리가 내 몸을 감쌀 때난 모국어로 말하고 싶어. 미안해요 미안해. 영어가 모국어가 아니라서. 사과하고 싶지 않아. 맞아. 나 마늘 냄새 나. 키스하지 마. 김치 먹었거든. 너도 냄새 나. 양 같은 누린네. 우리 그냥 사랑하자. Mother tongue. Sophistication isn't damn good to drink. So, why don't you untie my tongue? Like you undress me in the dark. Don't let my ego ruin our night. Don't scan your betrayal in your mind. Life is not so bad if you don't pay attention. Reaching out in the night, I don't know what I am trying to grasp. When the sound of the trumpet wraps my body, I want to speak in my mother tongue. I don't apologize. Sorry, sorry, English is my first language. Yes, I smell like a garlic. Don't kiss me. I had a kimchi. You smell too, like a scorched lamb and lean burger. Let's just love each other. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Tara. And thank you to all of the listeners of Inside the Writer's Head. I am the very happy host of this uh, podcast, and I am also 
the writer in residence for the Cincinnati Public Library and the Library Foundation. I have to say again, thank you to all of you. I don't know about everybody else, but I enjoy this program a lot. Sarah and Tanya, thank you. For, thank you for being part of Inside the Writers Club. Thank you, and thank you to the thank library. Thank you. And uh, to the listeners, we will be here in a couple of weeks with a new episode of this podcast. Please stay tuned to Inside the Writer's Head. This has been Inside the Writer's Head. We hope you'll keep joining us for in-depth conversations with writers and other lovers of books, journalism, libraries, and the literary arts. The Writer in Residence program is made possible through the support of the Library Foundation. Learn more about the program and upcoming events at chpl.org slash WIR. Thanks for listening.